Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Well, you ready for this one? I hope so. Buckle up. (laughs) We know the story as told in today's Parsha Noach. Here is the Cliff Notes version in 30 seconds. The world had become wicked. Noah found favor with God. God tells Noah what he's going to do to the world and has him build an ark. Right? He asks all the animals to come. Noah and his family get on board the ark. The heavens pour down, the fountains burst up, and the flood consumes everything on the earth for it's raining for 40 days and 40 nights. Then the rain subsides. They float around for a long time. Noah sends out a raven. Then he sends out a dove twice. The dove comes back with an olive leaf in its mouth. Baruch Hashem, land ho. They settle on a mountain. Everyone and everything disembark. The world is spared. Noah praises God, etc., etc. Amen. Right? It's a story, right? Amen. This morning, I wanted to talk about what might be the rest of the story of Noah's Ark. Maybe I've taken some assumptions. Maybe some of it's quite logical. But I do have three points. What, point number one, what might have it been like on the Ark with Noah? Number two, there are still floodwaters. And number three, what about our ark? Let's start with number one. What might have been like on the ark with Noah? Well, looking at the scriptures, it's interpreted that Noah and his family and the animals spent a lunar year on the ark. So let that sink in for a minute. It wasn't just over like that, folks. So I was searching on the internet if anyone had some ideas as to what life might have been on the ark and found this on banner.org, an article written by Sandy Schwarzentrooper back in 2012, who serves as the research coordinator for Faith Formation Ministries and is a member of Sherman Street Christian Reformed Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So here are some excerpts from the article. Quote, Did you ever wonder what it was like to be on Noah's Ark? You can read about it in Genesis 6-9. to Picture books sometimes make the Ark look like fun, but it wasn't fun. Living on the Ark took a lot of work and a lot of patience. While we don't know exactly what Noah and his family thought and did, Here's what might have been like if Noah kept a diary. Day one, 
rain. We boarded the ark a week ago, as God told us to, and today the rain began. It's as if the heavens have opened up. The sky is dark, and it's dark inside the ark. The animals are terrified of the thunder and lightning. We trust God to keep us safe, but we've never seen a storm like this before. Day three. Even though we knew a flood was coming, actually seeing it happen is scary. Water is churning and swirling all around the ark, washing away everything and everyone in its path. Sometimes we just can't look. Day seven. The rain is still beating down on us. Since it started, it hasn't stopped even for a minute. The water has risen so high that the ark is now floating. The waves are huge. The animals are seasick, and we humans are too. Now we know what sick as a dog means. I hope we get used to the rocking of the ark soon. We all feel awful. Day 10. It's still raining, but we're feeling a little better, which is a good thing because it's a lot of work to care for all these animals. Day 30. It's been one month since the rain began, and it's still raining. Today we are talking about all the things we miss. We miss walking on the grass, feeling the sunshine on our faces, eating fresh fruits and vegetables. Most of all, we miss our family and friends. We wish they had believed God when he said the flood was coming. We wish we would could have convinced them to come on board the ark with us. Sometimes we wonder if we'll ever get out of here. But we know God is with us, and we're thankful that we have each other. Day 41. We can hardly believe it. We woke up this morning to find the rain has stopped. Amen. After raining for 40 days and 40 nights, the rain is done. It's so much quieter without the constant pounding of the rain, and the animals are calmer too. But now we have to do a very hard thing. We have to wait. We'll wait for the water to go down and for God to show us what to do next. That might take a long time, but we'll try to be patient. We know God has a plan. End quote. Wow. I think this article was perfect to get us to just imagine what Noah and his family had to deal with and maybe get us thinking how good we have it and God is watching over us. Me being a former sailor, I thought, Six months deployments were bad, but a year straight? On board a Navy ship, there were cramped living conditions, sure, but not totally uncomfortable. I guess Noah either slept on a straw-fabricated mattress on the deck or perhaps a hammock. Hmm, I know Rabbi likes hammocks. Yep. I know that. Anyway, on board a Navy ship, I'll paint a picture for you. 
You got a bunk. There are three stacked high, right? Bottom bunk, middle bunk, top bunk. They're about six feet long, about four, four and a half feet wide, and about one foot deep. And it was also called a coffin because the top lifted up and you stored all your stuff, uniforms and your personal goods, inside it. On top of it sat about a three-inch mattress. Folks, this was not memory foam either. You had about two feet of clearance between each rack. So, you had to be careful how you woke up if you were in the bottom or middle racks because the top of the bunk in, above you is not forgiving if you hit your head. So, most guys selected the racks by rank. The higher the rank, they got the top bunk. That was the place that had most breathing room to the overhead. So, so I think about this environment, and I say, Noah would have loved it, right? Noah must have been very tough indeed. Think about it. He's 600 years old. 600. I was 20, and I was like, oi, this place, right? I didn't have to deal with the animals of the non-human kind like he did. But at least elephants didn't get up in the morning and the first thing they did was light up a cigarette. But this was back in the 80s. They allowed that back then. My daily log would have been something like this. Get up. Eat. Work at my job. Take a break. Clean. Eat. Watch some TV. Eat again, clean, study, write some letters home, sleep. And do that every day over and over again. Oh yeah, and stand watch. You had to do that too. Somebody had to do that. We did that every day at sea except for Friday night Shabbat. We did have a service. What made it bearable we were not stuck on board the ship like Noah was the entire time because we were able to take time off when the ship pulled into port. Noah and his family was indeed stuck, working and just looking at the water, but still, after all that, trusting in Hashem. I'll say it again, Noah was tough. Which brings me to my second point. There are still floodwaters. It was just a short time ago when heavy rains poured the way down into, the, into this building through breaches in the roof, which was in the process of repair. Our worship leader, Elder David Haller, was away, and I got a call from our caretaker, Kim, that there was water downstairs in the fellowship hall. This was extremely troubling because we've been through this before. So I headed from home to the building. Water is relentless. 
It will find its way in the smallest of cracks in the ceiling or the wall. And let's face it, this building is over 100 years old. When I arrived, I headed downstairs to survey the damage and help finish mopping. But when Kim and I went upstairs, we heard the sound of water coming from the ceiling in the multi-purpose room. Oh my gosh. So I ran upstairs to see where it was coming from, and one of our classrooms, water was pouring in from the ceiling and then going through the floor downstairs. Water, water everywhere. We grabbed all the trash cans we could find and manned the mops. And Kim even laughed when I said to her, do we have any more trash cans anywhere? We already had four in the room already. We worked feverishly until the floor was dry. Remember Yom Kippur night? We were preparing for our Nila service here when Richmond was hit with a storm that dumped inches of rain in less than an hour. Streets became inundated with water and water poured down the exterior stairs of this building. Now there are drains at the bottom of the stairs, but the drain outside the fellowship hall door became clogged with debris and water had no place to go but under the door. So the entire downstairs got flooded. When I arrived and I opened the door, there was about two to three inches of water still needing to be dealt with. David Haller was using a wet-dry vac, and Kim was on the mop and bucket brigade. So I rolled up my pants and my sleeves, and I started to help with the cleanup. A few minutes later, Andrew comes walking in the door with another shop vac and two large, I think they were commercial-style squeegees. They were huge. So I was like, hallelujah. I told Kim to stop mopping and let's use the squeegees to push the water back where it came from, out the door into the drain. We pushed back the floodwaters. We were done just before the service began. Baruch Hashem. The chauffeur blast that evening that I heard had such a special meaning, a sweetness that filled me with the joy of Hashem. There are still floodwaters. They come when we least expect it. But I believe they may come to draw us to something that needs our attention. Something that needs to get fixed. Whether it's our synagogue. By the way, look up, look around. Look at it. It's fixed. Isn't it beautiful? It is beautiful. But what about, what about our community? What about our streets? What about our world? What about our lives? Floodwaters cause damage, sometimes worse 
But as God promised, they don't totally envelop the earth or our lives because God said he was not going to do that again. In Genesis 8, verse 15 and following, it says this, And God spoke to Noah, saying, Come out of the ark, you and your wife, your sons and your sons, and their wives with you. Every animal that is with you of all flesh, including the flying creatures, livestock, and every crawling creature that crawls on the land. Bring out with you, and let them swarm in the land, and be fruitful and multiply upon the land. So Noah came out with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives. Every animal, every crawling creature, every flying creature, everything that crawls upon the land came out from the ark with their families. Then Noah built an altar to Adonai and took every clean domestic animal and of every clean flying creature and he offered burnt offerings on the altar. When Adonai smelled the soothing aroma, Adonai said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground on account of man, even though the inclination of the heart of humankind is evil from youth, nor will I ever again smite all living creatures as I have done. While all the days of the land remain, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will not cease. Which brings me to my third point. What about our ark? It is no secret that we've been in some sort of isolation. Perhaps our own type of ark during this pandemic. Maybe it's your own house. You're still stuck inside. Some with your animals, right? Your dogs, your cats, your fish, your gerbils, your whatevers, right? You're stuck inside, waiting for the flood to abate. Your routine may be similar to Noah's. You get up, you feed the animals, you feed yourself, you bathe, you read, you may work from home, watch TV, eat, feed the animals, read, watch TV, read, 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 and go to bed. Over and over again, Maybe you're feeling alone. What about our ark? What about you at home on Zoom? What about you that's here? Are there still floodwaters stirring around? Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's uncertainty. Maybe it's your health. There was something I purposely left out of the daily routine that everybody should do. I said read, but do you know what I meant by reading? What? What do you have to read? The Word of God. What else did I leave out 
something that we should do every single day. Pray. You all get Torah points. That's awesome. Pray every day. It's the right without ceasing. It's the way for us to communicate with God and how He hears us. What kept the ark afloat? God? Yes. However, the ark had a material that was applied to, to the gopher wood, inside and outside. Made it waterproof. It was called pitch. Keeping such a large vessel afloat. That was good stuff. Pitch means covering or to cover over. Comes from the Hebrew word kofar or kofar, which means, Wayne, what does it mean? Go over, but it's also atonement. If you want to learn more about Hebrew, basic, advanced. Amen? Sign up. Anyway, had to plug that. The ark was a shelter from the storm. It kept Noah and his family and all the animals of the earth safe from the waters that consumed the earth. Who gives us the shelter now? Who? Shua does. Shua helps us build our ark. He is our shelter from the storm. He is our kofar, our atonement. We build our Yeshua ark by praying, reading, listening to His Word. By sharing His Word. By building relationships. By helping others who might be struggling. And putting our faith in the one who took the nails for us. Remember, at the end of the storm, God gives us something else. A rainbow. It's a colorful display. A sign of hope. A sign of encouragement. What makes up a rainbow? Water droplets from the fading storm lit up by the rays of the sun. It's a new day. Maybe we should begin every day with such a sight. I saw this the other morning on my way to work. And it filled my heart with joy for the hope that we have. Genesis 9:12 and following said this. Then God said, "This is the sign of the covenant that I am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. My rainbow do I place in the cloud, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the land. Whenever I bring clouds over the land, 
the rainbow appears in the clouds. I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the rainbow is in the cloud, I will look at it to remember the perpetual covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the land. Then God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have confirmed between me and all flesh that is on the land. My brothers and sisters, the waters might be around us. So what? We have our ark. Yeshua, Mashiach, Ben David. When we climb aboard, floodwaters are pushed back. And we are lifted up on the dry land. This ark is not just for one family anymore, is it? It's for everybody. We invite others to come aboard this ark with us. How do we do that? We share a special love that comes from Him. We pray for them. Pray, pray, pray. Pray for them. We share the good news of God's faithfulness through Yeshua the Messiah and that we are never alone. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just so thankful for your ark. So thankful that you're always there. You lift us up. You keep us safe. We praise your name. Help us show others they're not alone. You're with them. Your ark is there for us to share and climb aboard. Thank you for this morning, for this time we spend in worship. I'm just filled with joy right now because you, you fill this place with joy. Yeshua's name I pray this morning. Amen.